Hi. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, I'm. I wanna talk about the last episode that I did. When uh, the name of it is breaking it down, and I talked to my friend again. <laughs> And she said that I should do a second part of that episode because she said that I need to go into depths of what a traumatized child looks like because it is very important because if we don't know, we can't fix the problem. So we kicked the ball around again because I, I let me tell you something. She had told me that I should stop talking about her and just get straight to the point. But I have to tell her how important she is in my life because I started this podcast out as an experiment. To see if I could really do it. Out of all the abuse and trauma that I suffered. The one thing that came out of it was my voice. My gift to articulate. My gift to put a finger on how I really feel. Because I was misunderstood So much in my life, I felt that I need to let people know how I really feel and what it's like to be a traumatized and a severely abused child. So, this is why I'm going to do a second part of that episode. It is very important. A lot of areas need to be touched. This is a very broad subject and it's just you can't it can't be one and done. I have to touch on every points of this star. Once again, she told me to stop talking about her and just like I said get straight to the point. But Today, I was getting a little discouraged because I was sitting down and I was asking myself, why am I doing this? It was a passion to me and I really, you know, was going strong in the beginning, but I started to lose faith because it was like, I think I was at an impasse where I couldn't go farther because it was like, how am I going to speak on the things that need to be said and I was I was in my in in my house and she called me and she we she started talking about you know the previous episodes and how she thinks that I should do a second part because there are a lot of issues that I need to expound on. And I said, I don't know what direction that I should go. 
I have a lot of ideas and I have so much information pent up inside of me, but I don't know how to deliver it. So she gave me some bullet points and that's very necessary when you're having a discussion on such a broad subject. Then I spoke to my brother. That's a whole nother story. I know I had a brother until a couple of years ago. Because I, me and um, three of my other sisters was moved from my mother. And my mother went on to have two more other kids. And one of them was a brother. I also asked his opinion on what he thinks about the podcast that I'm doing. Him and his wife. And he gave me some some feedback, positive feedback, which was needed. Because that's what I like. I like for people to be very honest. And he told me too, what my friend told me that I needed to expound on. Because, like, I guess as a, a parent, he wants to see if he could detect it in, in his children. Because you never know. Because... Predators are very crafty. They know how to reach your child when you can't. So, this is why I do what I do. Because I want all parents to be aware of uh, behaviors that you just can't quite put your finger on. But you know something is wrong. So, before you mislabel it, you need to get all your facts together. Before you go in. So you need to investigate. So my friend. That I was talking to. Again she gave me some bullet points. And one of the. um, Disorders she told me to discuss. Was reactive attachment disorder. I looked it up. She said research it. So I looked it up. It says, Reactive Attachment Disorder, RAD, is a condition in which an infant or a young child does not form a secure and healthy emotional bond with his or her primary caretakers. It says, Children with RAD often have trouble managing their emotions. They struggle to form meaningful connections with other people. Children with RAD rarely seek or show signs of comfort and they may seem almost fearful of their caretakers even in situations where the current parent figures seem quite loving and caring. These children are often irritable, sad, or may report feeling unsafe or alone. Who is likely to have a reactive attachment disorder? Reactive attachment disorder is most common among children between 9 months and 5 years old who have experienced physical or emotional neglect or abuse. While not as common, older children can also have RAD, 
since RAS sometimes can be misdiagnosed as other behavior or emotional difficulties, children may be more likely to develop RAD if they have had many difficult foster care providers or spent time in the orphanage, were taken away from primary caretakers after forming a healthy bond, or have had multiple traumatic losses in life. What causes reactive attachment disorder? Although there is no exact cause, researchers believe that lack of an appropriate level of loving and consistent caretaking contributes to development of Brad. Inadequate caregiving can make the child feel abandoned, alone, and uncared for, all of which can prevent that child from developing a healthy and secure emotional bound with his or his primary caretakers. Now let me expound on that. I had that disorder. I know I did. I was bounced around so many times that you know what? I didn't even want to know or get to know or form a relationship with the many members of the foster homes that I was placed in. I did better in a group home because in a group home, <laughs> you surrounded by, around a bunch of people who are just like you, who was removed from their family, uh, who come from severe neglect or child abuse or sexual abuse or any other kind of abuse. At least I was surrounded around people that was just like me. So I didn't feel like, you know, out of the ordinary. I was able to communicate better with them. Because we had something in common. I didn't do too well in a family setting. To me, that's where my problems began. In a family setting. So why would I want to go back to a place where my problems began. I I mean I, I even though there were a, a lot of people along the way that helped me and they took me to their house and I sat at their table and ate their food and and I got presents for it. It was only temporary. It didn't last. I remember the last foster home that I was in. It was a family setting. I didn't stay there long. I ran away. Because. They didn't know me. And I didn't know them. And because they wasn't. uh, Properly educated. Or edified. About my condition. They did a lot of things. That irritated me. They just couldn't reach me. To, to them, I was a very troubled child with a lot of problems. And it felt like I should be grateful that they took me into their homes. A lot of children are placed in foster homes that are not right for them. But because agencies are forced to place these children, sometimes there are a lot of mismatches. Mismatches I mean A lot of foster parents tried To reach me but they just couldn't They didn't know how 
luckily times have changed because from what I understand now you have to go through a training course before you take a foster child into your home rad that's a very very common disorder kids are not able to bond with anybody because first of all like I said in my previous episode the first person that they were supposed to rely on and trust betrayed them so now you snatched out of that home and you placed into another one and now once again you gotta open up your trust again you gotta be vulnerable uh, and bare to people you don't even know and then they're not properly educated or trained to deal with your disorder so they mislabel you and they treat you the wrong way that happened to me a lot of times that's why I ran away from a lot of these homes another topic that uh, we need to discuss and I hope I pronounce it right promiscuity promiscuity that is an actual indicator of trauma or an abused child you may look at it like oh that girl is fast she's a slut she she just thinks that she could use her body to get what she wants but that could be an indicator that this child was sexually abused in her youth it could be like they feel that their body is the only thing that they could offer because of their self-worth. Some women feel like all I have, I have no money. I'm, I, I have nothing else to offer but my body. And could you take this for payment for your good treatment to me? often felt that way but a lot of victims feel that way too they don't have nothing else to offer you but themselves their bodies because they because they have no self growth of themselves sometimes people are promiscuous because this is what they was taught they feel that they could bargain themselves for a, a bigger and better things. If I give you this, you give me that. Because they were never taught that they're worth more than that. That they deserve to be loved. And your body is something that you give to somebody that loves you. You don't give it up because you think you owe them something. Or that you don't have money so you don't take this. Lot of lot of women are not taught the value of themselves. I was like that too. I was blessed to have a nice shape. And I remember I used to dress very provocative. I didn't own a long coat nowhere. Always had short jackets. Always made sure that you could see my butt. 
because I thought that that's the best thing that I had going for me. If I didn't have anything going for me, I know I had a nice shape. So this is what I projected to everybody. You going to see this. You going to see what I'm walking around with. But there's consequences for actions like that. Men don't value you. When they look at you, they just see you as a piece of meat. All they want to do is sleep with you, have sex with you. They will never know the real you, the smart you, the person that has a lot to offer, the person with the nice personality, the, the compassionate person, the talented person, the person that could cook, the person that could hold a good conversation with you. They won't be able to see that because they're so blinded by what you pushing out for them to see. That's how I was. I didn't want you to see nothing else but how nice of a shape I had. I didn't know what I was doing. I was so confused. But because I had nobody to nurture me, this is the best I could That That was the best I could do. Another, uh, Behavior of someone who has been traumatized, abused, or neglected is stealing. That is a direct result of being neglected. I remember I wrote in my book that I used to get up in the middle of the night and steal out my aunt's kitchen cabinet. She couldn't understand why I did that. Because she was feeding me three square meals a day. But I still would get up in the middle of the night. And still out of kitchen cabinets. I used to steal food. You know why I used to do that? Because I wasn't sure the next day there would be food to feed me. Because I was neglected too. And then, like, when I was living with my aunt, I was always on punishment because I was always fighting in school. And I remember one of the punishments my mother used on me was denying me food. So when I knew I was in trouble in school, I said, oh, I better get all the food I can because tomorrow I may not get none. Even though my aunt didn't do that to me, I thought that that was going to be the consequences of... Me fighting in school. Because she always fed me. But I didn't know better. I was working with what I remember from the past. And that's what. Severely traumatized kids do. They remember the past. Because that's all they got to work with. That's all they know. So if you come into. A uh, severely traumatized child. And you show them the opposite of what you've been experiencing. It got to be a trick. It can't be for real. Because nobody's going to ever love me but me. Nobody's ever going to be nice to me. Why should you? Nobody else was. You start thinking that the way it was before... Them beatings, the abuse, the neglect, that's really how it is. 
So so when somebody come out the out of the normal and treat you nice, something is wrong with them. They gotta be stupid. Cause who in their right mind will be nice to me for nothing? That's why a lot of women grow up and pick somebody with the same traits as their abuser because they think it's normal. That's why a lot of severe traumatized women grow up and pick men who are just like the person that abused them because it's normal to them. Nobody told them anything different. So when I go back to the stealing, I also used to steal out of stores. I used to go and just take what I wanted. And I was good at it. The reason why I stole from the stores because I, I, I wasn't getting what I thought I wanted or needed at home. So I said, oh, you're not going to give it to me. I'm going to get it myself. So I started stealing. Good thing I stopped. Because I don't do that no more. For real, for real. I don't do it no more. I don't have to do it. I taught myself that if I didn't get it, I didn't need it. And I didn't want to go to jail for stealing. So I made myself stop very early. Another behavior that you may not think is a form of a severely abused child is creativity. A lot of kids that have been abused as children, they're very artistic. Mine was drawing. I could draw you just like you look. That was a gift that was getting given to me. Some traumatized kids, children, they write a lot. Because they can't express themselves openly the right way, so they write. Most writers were traumatized as kids. Most people who do movies that have very active imaginations, they were traumatized as kids. I had a very active imagination. You know where that came from? Me being locked up in dark rooms by myself. And to deal with that situation, I had to create in my mind a different situation. Where I was living in a nice world. Where I had a bunch of sisters. And I was pretty. And I was loved. I had to use my imagination to go to a better place because my real reality was horrible. So most traumatized kids have great imaginations. They are very creative. They can either draw or they can sing or they can write because they need a place to escape. So Recognize that one. I know that one came out of nowhere. Because usually create creativity is a plus. But creativity comes out of 
horror out of the ashes of somebody who has been severely abused and their rights was taken away from them. They too scared to express themselves openly so they put it on paper or they sing it or they draw it. So keep that one in mind. Another behavior of severe traumatized kids is rage. Woo! I had a lot of rage in me. You know where that rage come from? I couldn't defend myself when I was getting beat down. Because my attacker was more powerful than me. So I had to sit there and lay down and take all them kicks and them slaps and those punches and those stompings. I had to take it. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't overpower her. So I had to endure. And it was so, I, I, oh my God, it hurt me so bad. I used to scream. I learned not to scream. Because that made the beatings worse. If you scream, you're going to really get it. So I had to cry in silence. A memory, a magic getting the crap beat out of you, and you couldn't express it. So now, when you get the chance to express how you really feel, you let it all out. You let that person have it. Whoever was at the receiving end of your rage, they was going to get it. Because you know what? I couldn't do it before. So now I got all this pent up anger and I'm ready to give it to anybody. Anybody who want it. Who want it? That's why I used to win most of my fights. Because when I was beating you up, I was really beating my mother up. I was giving you those one and twos for her. Whenever you said something that I thought was disrespectful, you was going to get it. You was going to get the biggest and greatest verbal assault that I could give to you. You was going to get it. Anybody that messed with me, they was going to get it. Because I remember when I was a little girl, I said that I was never going to let nobody do me like my mother did. Oh, there are so many signs. But, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Because it seems like (laughs) every podcast and every episode gets longer and longer. Because there is so much. This, This subject is so broad. And there are so many points that I have to speak on. But I have to do it one at a time. And this is why I thank my friend. Because she pointed me in the right direction. Because another uh, behavior of a severely traumatized child is discouragement. We get discouraged very easily. You know why? Because we got beat up so much. And we've been defeated so much. That we don't even feel like the effort is worth it. But it is worth it to me now. 
Because I overcame a lot of that stuff. And I want to be the voice for those people who can't speak for themselves. I know it works. When I talk to my clients and I speak to their soul, I look into their faces and I can see I'm reaching them. So all those beatings and all those those beatdowns and everything, it was for a reason. A reason. So I could feel the pain of those who are sitting in front of me. One of my greatest rewards for what I do is to see another person prosper. And to know that I had a hand in it. A hand in it. That's a reward all by itself. I don't need nothing else. I don't need no money, no gifts, no accolades, nothing. That right there is my reward. Because that means that I have impacted that person's life to the point where they made a change. So once again, I'm going to end it and I will be back again. And I thank you for your time because you didn't have to spend time and listen to me. Other people might think what I'm saying is not important, but the fact that you do think that it's important and you stood here and listened to me until it was over with, I appreciate that the most. And hopefully you will come back. And listen to me some more. Because I got some more good stuff for you. So you have a good day. And we will meet again. Thank you.